This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. I'm Sharita Brent in studio with Mary Margaret Miller from Visit Mississippi. And today, Yolanda Clay Moore is going to tell us about the Civil Rights Driving Tour in Jackson. She's actually in studio right now. We'll get to her in just a second. But we're also going to look at the next episodes of MPB's series, A Threat Through Time, as we continue to celebrate Mississippi's bicentennial. Also, Catherine Dykeman is going to introduce us to her film, Strange Weather, which was shown at this year's Oxford Film Festival. And we'll learn about the Mississippi Light Festival, which is coming uh, very soon, next week, uh, as a matter of fact. And also we'll learn about the Natchez Literary and Cinema Celebration and a cool exhibit called Pieces. So, Mira Margaret, we have a lot to cover today. We are stacked. Yes, we are absolutely stacked. And I wonder if you are tired. You had a, a busy night at the Governor's Arts Awards. That's right. We, I did have a late night, but a great night. We honored um, uh, several wonderful Mississippi artists last night with Governor's Arts Awards, six artists, actually, to be um, exact. Uh, including the Mississippi Opera, Vast Eye Jackson, Lucy Janis, Jamo Johnson, mm-hmm. Sammy Brett, and Bill Ferris, the well-known folklorist who spent a good deal of time here in Jackson and then later in Oxford. Uh, they held the ceremony at the old Capitol Museum. Mm-hmm. Beautiful space. They had it in the the house chamber there. Uh, really awesome uh kind of trio, Bill Perry, Raphael Sims, Barry Leach. I mean, they really just That's a tight, tight group of performers there. Yes. Um, and of course, we got uh, a lot of beautiful and humble and, and very uh, deeply felt remarks from all of the recipients. And then some really cool you know, special performances from Jamo Johnson, who was the drummer for the Allman Brothers. He's from oh, Gulfport. Wow. Yeah, and, that's right. You know, has his own jazz band now that's, a, you know, a force to be reckoned with. So Jamo played with the trio, as did Vast Eye Jackson, who, you know, always puts on a show. So really wonderful night. Uh, lots of arts patrons out, lots of um, energy around Mississippi arts, culture, and the creative economy. So a really wonderful, wonderful gathering. The Mac really does a good job. Yeah, uh, I got to hear a little bit of uh, the um, program on the radio, and it was really good. And they were performing a song, Mississippi Feels Like Coming Home. And it was such a a touching song, and uh, I really enjoyed it. And I was just wondering, like, what are the requirements to become a recipient? Not that I'm trying to get one of these awards. I'm just curious. it just takes a little time. (laughs) Um, Because we uh, have so many creatives here. I mean, I'm sure it's hard to decide. Well, it is. I actually had the honor of sitting on the selection committee this year, and we had a about two dozen applications um, and you know folks were somewhere arts administrators arts patrons you know musicians painters writers you know it really covers the spectrum of the arts genres um, but there is very specific criteria you know a, a lifelong work continuing to produce work a certain um, level of, of community involvement and um, you know, it's uh, it's always a hard decision to be made by that panel. And I, I do know that um, you can submit applications in the summer. I believe it's a, maybe like a July deadline for mm-hmm. uh, ap- nominations for the Governor's Awards. So, you know, I know our listeners have a lot of good ideas for that. So make sure to, to you know, nominate the people in your community that are doing the good work and right. continuing our legacy as a rich and culturally um, robust place. You know, yesterday, last night, I was at a uh, an event 
put on by the Greater Jackson Arts Council, and it featured Awesome Lee Lovey, who's a blogger and a comedian, and uh, Java Chapman was DJing yesterday, and it was an awesome event. She was just talking about what it means to be a creative, and, and the room was filled with uh, aspiring bloggers and folks like myself. And uh, I think this is a series that the Greater Jackson Arts Council is going to be starting this creative series where they bring in somebody who's living the creative dream. And it was very, very powerful. Well, she has such a strong following. If I had not been at the Governor's Arts Awards, I certainly would have been with you there. And I'm glad to know that, um, you know, people were inspired. And it looked like she interacted with uh, mm-hmm. with the patrons a lot. And I'm really glad to hear about that sort of series nurturing the business yeah. side of, of arts. And then we went to Salt which is uh, the, the oyster bar. And it was good. I had some garlic and lime, I don't know, some kind of wonderfully flavored oysters. And it was very good in the salmon and tuna dip. So Saltine is a place that I frequent. And that whole little area in Fondren is just really cool. So if folks are in that area, you can go to Dueling and then you get something at Saltine or Babaloo. So uh, across the street, you have Brent's and McDade. So, I mean, it's just so much to do right in that, that close area. Yeah, and one very- block away is my house. So you called me, Sharia. Uh, are you inviting all the listeners to your home, <laughs> Sam? I didn't get my address. I'm just saying it's right there. Okay. <laughs> well, and that's true. And it's a very walkable district, you mm-hmm. know, so it, so that's great. And, um, you know, I know, Yolanda, you send a lot of visitors there. Oh, certainly, certainly. I just entertained a, a, a radio producer from Berlin, and we wow. went to Fondren, yes. yes. Yeah. Well, before we uh, move on to our Thread Through Time, Shelby is in Jackson, wants to tell us about an event. Good morning to you, Shelby. What do you have for us today? Hey, good morning. Um, I just wanted to let y'all know about a fundraiser for Mississippi Spay and Neuter that's happening tomorrow. Um, It's our fourth annual Spaytacular fundraiser. We're a nonprofit that provides low-cost spay and neuter for cats and dogs across the state. A lot of people know us from the Big Six Clinic in Pearl. Uh, People can look us up on Facebook if they want to check out the event and buy tickets. It's at Table 100 tomorrow at 6. Nice. Okay. Thank you so much, Shelby. We appreciate your call. Uh, 877-MPB-RING is the number if you want to let us know about any local events going on in your area. Uh, And one more thing I have to mention that I did yesterday was I went to the SIP Sourced event, which is facilitated by uh, Chef Nick Wallace. And this this week is a, a test kitchen, so I think he does this every third week of the month. And when I tell you I had cornmeal, crusted catfish, and spinach hash, and some kind of apple tart with melted marshmallows and honey on top. And it was delicious. Uh, So the menu is just huge. He has noodle dishes on there, chicken dishes, uh, hamburger dishes. This is my second or third time uh, patronizing this this series, and it is amazing. And I think it runs through Saturday. Um, Was he actually there? He was not there. He's out of town. Yeah, Um, because I know he was filming. Yeah, but everybody's familiar with the menu, and uh, it's just awesome. He's using local farms. He's using uh, their their things. So if, if you're hungry check it out. It's at the Mississippi Museum of Art, and you can also just check out the exhibits there as well. So, uh, Sip Source, so he's using local farmers and local foods, and I think it's just amazing. Yeah. Outstanding. What a talent. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so uh, each week this year, we'll look at uh, MPB's series, A Threat Through Time, and speak about the topic covered in this week's one-minute documentary as we celebrate the bicentennial. And so let's listen to this week's installment. Mississippi was the first state to give married women rights to their own property, and it's all because of a Chickasaw woman named Elizabeth Betsy Love. Born in the 1780s in what is now North Mississippi, but was then the Chickasaw Nation, Betsy married a man named James Allen, 
She came to the marriage with property of her own, and he came to the marriage with debt. When creditors demanded that Betsy's property be used to settle James's debts, she argued that under Chickasaw law, her property was her own, and James's creditors could have no part of it. The Fisher versus Allen case went all the way to the United States Supreme Court, which ruled in Betsy's favor. This landmark ruling influenced the Mississippi legislature to pass a new law in February of 1839, recognizing married women's property rights. Other states, as well as England, soon did the same. This has been Mississippi, a thread through time. All right, well, there's a piece of history I didn't know. Yeah, girl power. (laughs) That's that's great information to have. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So that's the idea uh, for these one-minute documentaries. It's just going to be giving you some information about our history because there's so much that we don't know, uh, good and bad. So uh, if you want to catch the next installment of A Thread Through Time, it's going to be Sunday night at 6.59 p.m. on MPB TV. And if you miss it there, you can find it in all previous episodes on our website on mpbonline.org. So that's really cool. Uh, So we're going to go ahead and introduce you. Londa Claymore, who's in studio with us, and she's going to be talking with us about the Civil Rights uh, Driving Tour in Jackson. Yolanda, good morning. Thank good you for morning, joining us. Good morning. Good morning. Glad to be here with you. All right. So uh, let's talk about some of the sites. How many sites are there on this tour? Uh, there's 82 sites. Um, wow. This, wow. Is our, this is our fourth edition of the publication. It's a joint venture between the city of Jackson and Visit Jackson. So 82 sites in Jackson alone alone. Wow. Okay. So uh, talk to us about some of those. I'm sure Megar Evers' house is one, Smith Robertson Museum. Uh, what are some of the other ones? Uh, you have anything from a business to a church that are, that's listed. First Baptist Sanctuary, the historic Galloway United Methodist Church, former Jackson Municipal Public Library, the old Capitol Inn, which is the former YWCA, Mississippi State Fairgrounds, WLBT Television Station, former Greyhound Bus Station, and, and let me keep going. Oh, yeah, no, you don't have to. Um, well, well, and those are just some of the downtown ones. Mm-hmm. So is it a self-guided tour um, or is there yes, a guide? Okay. It's a self-guided guided tour. It's provided by our office at Visit Jackson. You can order it on, uh, request it online at www.visitjackson.com or you can call in and request it. Or you can stop by our office at 111 East Capitol to pick one up. It'll be keeping them readily available. Mm-hmm. What sort of a response are you seeing from the public, Yolanda, in, in terms of interest in the driving tour? Oh, that's probably one of the greatest interests that we have in, in that's requested the the civil rights movement because we had such a phenomenal role in 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 history and you can't tell the civil rights story without including Jackson without including Mississippi so it's one of the most requested pieces that we have wow so what makes a site um you know reach the point of being a civil rights site uh well, there are several ways it could be a site. It could be where meetings were held. Mm-hmm. It could have been a business that was involved or a church. That's specifically, or it had a specific uh, monumental event that happened. When you think about think about the Gibbs Green Plaza at Jackson State, mm-hmm. monumental events that that, uh, you know, traces the history of civil rights. Mm -hmm. Well, and I know this um, handbook you've got right here has a lot of great information, but some of the sites on on your driving tour actually are marked. They have interpretive information right there on the the site. And the the guide is wonderful. It's a wonderful piece. It's a mapping uh, that has a map legend and you can uh, you can uh, dictate what area you want to be in or you could just follow the guide uh, holy and uh, you know find out what 
role this specific site had, like the Ferris Street Historic District or the North North Ferris Street. You know, it's just it's dictated by area or you could just follow the guide thoroughly but it has information on each piece as well as the actual site absolutely well when we talk about you know civil rights tourism in mississippi you know jackson really is kind of i think ground zero in a lot of ways birmingham you know is known for their civil rights tourism even memphis of course with the lorraine motel but here in jackson we have literally this incredible community infrastructure of civil rights stories and yolanda a big piece of that story is is coming up uh, to open in December. Oh, certainly. That's going to be the, like, the cultivating, uh, I don't know, I can't even put it into words how important it is to the city of Jackson, but the Civil Rights Museum, along with the Mississippi Museum of History, but the Civil Rights Museum will serve as a target for Jackson, if if you if you will, you know when you think of Memphis, you think about the the motel. When you think of Birmingham or or Montgomery, you know those have significant pieces that people around the world recognize. And so I think this is going to just give us an extra boost. We already have the um, the experiences that have happened here that are important, but the civil rights move a museum just gives us a a stakehold that that people can just look into mm-hmm. and it, it just kind of gives it a full circle you know what i mean yeah yeah so we're we're look we're looking forward to and just uh pam jr was just named the civil rights director mm-hmm. and we're very excited about that she's just been phenomenal over at smith robertson and you know we're always kind of worried uh, about how will the other other uh sites what role will they play after the Civil Rights Museum? But knowing that Pam Jr. is there now, it just pulls it all together because yeah. she'll make sure that they know about Smith Robertson, about um, Negger Everett's home, and, and all the pieces will come together there at the Civil Rights Museum. Absolutely. Uh, well, tell us how people can go about scheduling this tour uh, and what would be the best way to navigate it? Uh, how, how long of a, an amount of time do they need to set aside? Well, 82 sites, you'd have to give yourself a good day or two if you wanted <laughs> right. to do all of Definitely them. Definitely an overnight. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely book your stay overnight and uh, do the tour. But um, they can just call in our office, 601-960-1891, and uh, schedule uh, a driving tour. We don't specifically go out with them, mm-hmm. but we'll, we're more than happy to give them a, a guide beyond the guide if they want to do a specific area. If they're not familiar with the city, then we'll we'll help them along the way. Excellent. Well, Yolanda, thank you so much for being in. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for all you do and visit Jackson. Well, Great information. You. A beautiful website, too, for those yeah. who are interested to yeah, it's new. get online and, yeah, check <laughs> it, it out. New. Yeah. And we also have a new blog. Check out Sip Jackson. Sip Ooh, Jackson. Okay. Like that. Sounds good. Uh, before we go to the break, we're going to go to the phones. Malcolm is in Jackson. Good morning, Malcolm. What do you have for us today? Well, I was just calling to uh, 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 let you know that we're celebrating Isaac Berg uh, tonight at the Next Level uh, Entertainment, and uh, we're honoring him for his contributions uh, to, to the blues industry. He had the number one blues club for five years in a row, located right here in Jackson at 930. Yeah, was it 930 Cafe Blues? Yeah, 930 Blues Cafe. Okay. And, mm-hmm. and on Monday night, the Central Mississippi Blues Society we're having a second event for him at Hal and Mal's at 7.30, where we're going to give him a Lifetime Achievement Award and a Lifetime Membership in the Blues Society for his contributions uh, to the blues. Wow. Wonderful. That's amazing. Well-deserved. Shepard, right? 
Yeah, Malcolm Shepard. Hi, Malcolm. This is Yolanda. Yeah, how are you, Malcolm? I didn't know it was you. I would have called in early. (laughs) An awesome percussionist. Malcolm, thank you for calling in with that information. That's great. Uh, I remember the 930 Blues Cafe, and it was jumping, to say the least. It was (laughs) jumping. All right, Malcolm. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. And thank you for allowing me to speak. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Okay, we need to take a quick break. When we get back, Catherine Dykeman will join us, and we still have things to talk about the Mississippi Light Festival, the Pieces Exhibit, and the Literary Festival coming up in Natchez. 877-MPB-RING is the number if you want to join us to tell us what's going on in your part of town, 877-672-7464, or email nextstopatmpbonline.org. This is Think Radio. Support for MPB comes from Ridgeland, Mississippi Fine Arts Festival, April 1st and 2nd at the Renaissance at Colony Park, with fine art and live entertainment, featuring the Sante South Wine Festival and Oboe Tandem Cycling Rally. Details at RidgelandArtsFest.com. Hi, I'm Scott Beretta, host of the Highway 61 radio show. I'd like to invite you to visit Mississippi, where the blues is alive and well. From juke joints to festivals, you'll see, hear, and feel the real deal. This is the birthplace of America's music. Blues, country, gospel, rock and roll. You can trace that signature rhythm throughout Mississippi along our historic blues trail. Visit msbluestrail.org to plan your trip. And don't forget to stop for hot tamales. MPB Think Radio goes off the beaten path with diverse perspectives and award-winning content, attracting an audience who appreciate honesty and value. Sound familiar? Reach your target audience with an MPB underwriting credit. For more information, go to mpbonline.org. Radio. I'm Sharia Brent in studio this morning with Mary Margaret Miller from Visit Mississippi. And today we're talking about uh, lots of festivals that are coming up. And we have on the line with us right now, Catherine Dykeman, whose uh, film is a part of the Oxford Film Festival, Strange Weather. We're going to learn a little bit about her and the movie. Good morning to you, Catherine. Thank you so much for being on. Hey, thank you. All right. Catherine, welcome to the show. We understand that you really kicked off the Oxford Film Festival last night with a screening of Strange Weather. Yeah, it was wonderful to be the opening night film. And, and, you know, the film was shot um, pretty much all, like, about 45 minutes within Jackson. So it was just great to be able to bring it back to Mississippi. Oh, that's wonderful. Now, for our listeners who, um, uh, you know, uh, maybe want to learn more about Strange Weather, tell us a little bit about the plot line. Well, Strange Weather is a story about a woman who's played by Holly Hunter who has suffered a a really big loss and is kind of forced to come to terms with it. She thinks she's going out seeking revenge and goes out on a road trip with her best friend who's played by the wonderful Carrie Coon, who some people may know from The Leftovers, and she also played uh, Ben Affleck's sister in Gone Girl. And these two uh, close female friends go out on the road together, and, and Holly's character really thinks she's She's going to kind of right a wrong involving a death in her life, but the journey becomes much more about 
learning how to forgive and learning how to self-forgive, you know, and moving forward to another place in your life. So for a film that really is is about the open road and about travel, what brought you to Mississippi to film Strange Weather? Well, you know, when you make a a, a low-budget independent movie, which this is, um, you tend to look for one state to shoot in because states offer tax incentives, right? So everybody was filming in Louisiana for a while because Louisiana had a great tax incentive. So, So I was looking for that kind of one state. It could have been Georgia. It could have been you know, a number of southern states. But I came to, to Jackson, and um, Ward Embling, who's the head of the Mississippi Film Office in Jackson, um, read the script, and he loved the script and really understood it. And this was probably, I think, May 2014 when I came, first time to Jackson. And he drove me all around and showed me, you know, just an amazing uh, variety of locations that would work for this movie and also make it feel like someone was driving across different states in the South, even though we had to shoot all around Jackson. So so it was really, uh, Ward was my, my emissary and my guide, and he, he really sold me on shooting in Mississippi, and I'm very glad that I did. So uh, would you say that the uh, that you chose the Oxford Film Festival or did the Oxford Film Festival uh, choose you? Because we know it honors independent movies. Uh, how special was it to be at that particular festival? Well, it's a wonderful festival, and I actually came here last year uh, to be on a jury. So it's my second time coming to the festival. Oh. And it was, just, it was just a natural fit, I think, because, um, you know, there's a, uh, an actor who's in my film named Johnny McPhail, who plays Holly's ex-husband, and he's very, he and his wife Susan are very involved in the Oxford Festival. So I think they're the ones who originally told Oxford about me and that, and about Strange Weather. And um, yeah, it just felt like a very organic fit to come here. And, and I think the festival is a very, uh, very ambitious and interesting festival. I mean, they have virtual reality section, they have LGBT films, they, they really try to do, you know, very expansive and ambitious programming for a small, you know, essentially a small regional festival. So I wanted to support them, you know, any way I could. Oh, that's wonderful. They really are doing great work there at the Oxford Film Festival and glad you could be there and your team. Now, I, I think you plan to stick around and hang out with us in Mississippi for a little while longer. I do. I, I love Mississippi. I mean, I lived here for three months when I made the movie and I became very enamored of Mississippi. So yes, I am going to visit some friends in the Delta and then I'm going back to Jackson. I haven't been back to Jackson since I filmed there, which was in the fall of 2015. And um, we're going to do a screening, a special screening on Monday night at the Malco in Madison at seven o'clock. And it's a benefit for the Crossroads Film Society and also for uh, Donna Ladd's Mississippi Youth Media Project, which is a really cool thing she does in Jackson where she trains local teenagers, mostly black teenagers, in media skills. Uh, So they make short films, they learn how to report. And so the screening that Monday night is going to benefit both the Crossroads Film Society and the Mississippi Youth Media Project. And I tried to track down every single person who helped us on the film, large and small, and everybody got two free pairs of, uh, you know, two free tickets to the screening. So that kind of is a way to give back to the Jackson community because people were so supportive of us making the movie there. And I wanted to I wanted to do something for Jackson. So that's what that screening is going to be about. 
Now, Catherine, can you talk about um, what it means to be an independent filmmaker? Would you have any advice for independent filmmakers? I know we're seeing uh, the movie Moonlight has been um, um, it's, it's nominated for an Oscar. And sometimes it seems like it's hard as an independent filmmaker to get some kind of recognition or the support that you need. So uh, how do you go about doing that if you think that you're someone who has something special? Well, I think, to be honest, I, and I teach screenwriting at Columbia University in the grad school, so I work with a lot of you know young and emerging filmmakers. It is a brutally, <laughs> brutally hard business. And it's extremely exciting to me when I see something like Moonlight Breakthrough. And usually every year there's one or two films that kind of have that life, you know, that break through and do well at the box office and them. Another one is a great German independent comedy called Tony Erdman, which... Uh, I don't know if you get a chance to see that. It's wonderful. And, you know, that movie did really well, and now it's going to be remade in Hollywood and blah, blah, blah. But, like, every year that there's not that many movies that achieve that kind of recognition. And for all the, for the movies that do break through, there's dozens of other, I think, really interesting and worthy movies that don't get seen, mm. you know, which is really frustrating. And that has more to do with distribution and, you know, people go to the movie theater less, people binge watch TV more, you know, the, the landscape of sort of digesting narrative visual stories has really shifted. And I think it's been hard. It's been harder. It gets harder in a way. I think it's easier in a way to make a movie because you can shoot digital, you can shoot cheaper, you can make a micro budget feature. It's not so difficult, but getting it out and getting it seen is, is, is a different challenge. Yeah, sure. Um, I, I will say, you know, I think if someone has a story to tell, that they feel passionate about, and clearly Barry Jenkins, who made Moonlight, as the director, I think, and co-writer of that movie, felt passionate about that material, and you feel it in every pore of that film. And you know what? He he stuck to his vision, and he and it broke through, and that's just so exciting when that happens, and it can, and it does happen. Is it hard to get to people like Holly Hunter? She's an Academy Award winner and, and a very notable name. Uh, how was it casting her for, for that role? Well, I've made, this is my fourth film, and I've worked with, you know, Uma Thurman and Minnie Driver and Paul Rudd and Sarah Paulson and wow. uh, <laughs> lots of well-known actors. So to me, that's not particularly intimidating because they're just people who happen to be have a special skill. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, so I have that track record of working with with significant actors so that helps but also i mean the main thing with holly was um my one of my producers i had two wonderful female producers and one of them rachel cohen uh turned out one of her best friends coincidentally it was holly's agent so that was like a no-brainer wow you know she just handed it to, to to bonnie and bonnie read it and said oh i think holly would really like this and then holly read it and she liked it and we met and talked and so that was fairly effortless actually and you know, Holly, Holly, for all her brilliance and genius as an actor, and she'd be the first to say this, does not get movies made. She's not like Julianne Moore or Annette Bening or Meryl Streep or someone like that where you can just attach that person and get your money. Holly is not that person, and she knows it. And so, you know, we knew we were going to have to make this movie on a pretty low budget, and Holly was extremely realistic about that and, and down with it and very passionate about it. And you know, she was super a super involved collaborator with me on the script, on other casting ideas, and she's a she's a brilliant and extremely intense and extremely meticulous person. Uh, and I was really, you know, 
unbelievably lucky to have her because it's her movie. I mean, she's in almost every frame of it, and the movie's success rides, you know, rides on that central female performance. And I think she gives. I mean, I'm not saying this because it's my movie because it's really. I'm not saying it for that reason, but I think it's like one of the best performances she's ever given. It's just an astonishingly good performance. Yeah. And, and complicated and, and, you know, deeply felt and it's beautiful. And I hope people see the film just for that. Well, and people can see it again on Monday night in Madison at the Malco. What time is that screening, Catherine? It's at seven o'clock. At again, 7 it's a benefit. And um, I really urge people to come because uh, it supports some very good causes. And it's a, it's a really nice chance to see the movie, a movie that was made all around Jackson to be shown in, you know, close to Jackson and, uh, and supporting a good cause. So I hope people will come. Well, thank you so much for calling in and, and best of luck of to you as you continue to travel the, the film circuit. So that was Catherine okay. Dykeman, director of Strange Weather. All right. Yeah, sounds great. Congratulations to you, Catherine. Thank you for being on today. All right. We need to take a quick break. When we get back, we'll learn about the Mississippi Light Festival. Uh, still to come, we'll learn about the Nat- Natchez Literary and Cinema Celebration and also the Pieces exhibit, which is going to be on display this Sunday. We'll be back. This is Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. For MPB comes from Ridgeland, Mississippi Fine Arts Festival, April 1st and 2nd at the Renaissance at Colony Park with fine art and live entertainment. Featuring the Sante South Wine Festival and Oboe Tandem Cycling Rally. Details at RidgelandArtsFest.com. Welcome back to Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. I'm Sherita Brent, joined in studio by Mary Margaret Miller from Visit Mississippi. And our special guest right now is Anique Kirkjan, and she's going to tell us about the Mississippi Light Festival, which is coming to Jackson in a very short time. Good morning to you, Anique. Thanks for being on. Good morning. Thank you, Sharita. Absolutely. So is it true that this light festival is pretty much the first of its kind to come to Jackson? Yes, as far as I'm aware, I've only been here for two years and Mm -hmm. uh, I haven't heard of anything else like this having been here. So where is the the festival inspired from? Are we taking influence from uh, this festival that happens around other places in the world? Yes, indeed. So as you can probably tell, I'm not actually from here. Um, So in Europe, these light festivals are big. They're Mm -hmm. really, really popular. And they, it's a great celebration of innovation in technology and art uh, through this me- beautiful, interactive, fun, stunning world of light. Mm-hmm. And so all, all around Europe and in Singapore and in Sydney and it's starting over here as well. And um, basically, these light festivals just take over cities and um, change the landscape, um, bring communities together, educate as well, because at the end of the day, light uses all the principles of STEM or STEAM education. So it has a strong educational um, element to it as well. Mm -hmm. So we're not just talking about flashlights and LED lights. We're talking about (laughs) some technical stuff. This isn't Christmas lights. No. However, you know, at the end of the day, it's about creativity as a whole. 
So it's about creativity in science and art, and that can be anything. So, yes, if your creativity takes you to Christmas lights, that's fine. <laughs> but if your creativity is more, let's say, scientific, and it's about um, programming lighting um, or creating light through chemistry, that's fine too, and that's creativity. And this is all about the intersection of science and art and actually light is in everything that we do mm. in our daily lives and it's highlighting <laughs> for want of a better word it's highlighting that and um having a bit of fun around it as well yeah, yeah. let's talk a little bit more more about the fun um of this mississippi Absolutely. light festival there's great enthusiasm yeah. around the event which takes place next friday february 24th free admission in the arts complex in downtown jackson that's right by the art museum that awesome space so mm. um tell a little bit about what people are going to experience and how they can kind of get hands-on absolutely gosh well we have all kinds of things going on from um, a flying drone light show. Um, we have um, a virtual reality where uh, we have Google Tilt and you can go into the virtual world and basically paint um, your world around you. Wow. You, uh, we have um, light shows uh, from all around the world to show you what else is happening mm. in the rest of the world because this is the first time we're doing it so it's just a it's a small one in relation to what size they normally are and then we have a silent disco we have a light lounge in the uh, mississippi museum of art with glowing cocktails we have light costumes we have food trucks we have um, 3d projection mapping we have interactive light installations Gosh, I, I could, I, do I have the rest of the show to take <laughs> over? <laughs> I could go on. So I had gotten really excited because I thought it was tonight and I had been telling people, I was like, hey, oh. the Light Festival is tonight and we're going to bring some kids. And, and then I saw that it is next Friday. So uh, you have a whole week to prepare and, and, do. and do whatever. So people just need to show up with uh, an open mind and, and just a, a spirit of, of creativity. Absolutely. Um, open mind and just coming in, in and enjoy you know there's the great thing about these light festivals is there really is something for everyone so from six to eight uh so six o'clock the whole thing starts six to eight the stem lab where we have the, the the science experiments and all this kind of thing going on that is going to be open and then as the night carries on for the different age groups there's more appropriate things as it were and then uh, the planetarium will be having an edm party which is very well known for their for their use of light and mm -hmm. and we'll, it will all finish off there but throughout the night there's something for everyone according to their age and the time of night that's so exciting so exciting you've got a lot of artists involved in this yes. year's event i know you've done a great job of organizing um just you know uh, yeah. the troops around oh, the mississippi light festival it's all mississippian artists and um uh plus we have two international artists who are collaborating with Mississippian artists. So we've been collaborating online through Skype. Uh, we have a Japanese artist and uh, uh, English and French. And we have um, Memphis and Chicago and 
anyone that comes from out of state are collaborating with Mississippian artists. So really, it is homemade. Mm -hmm. So um, why was Mississippi an ideal place for this or what, what you know why, why did you choose to be involved in Mississippi particularly well I just kind of stumbled across Mississippi um, mm. I fell in love with a southern boy um, who actually ended up working with Mary Margaret yeah. and um, so I came here and thanks to Mary Margaret I um, got involved with this um, wonderful project called Mapping a Modern Mississippi mm. uh, with the Museum, uh, Mississippi Museum of Art. And on this project, um, I was lucky enough to basically travel around the state and, uh, and get to interview with Julian Rankin these incredible, basically the modern Mississippians, the people that are thinking and doing differently, which is fundamentally creative thinking and so I met this incredible talent and this is not what you hear about when people think of Mississippi outside of Mississippi this isn't spoken about and so once I'd finished that project I was so overwhelmed with all this incredible talent and I have a background in lights I have a background the light festivals etc and I'm also a designer wanted to do this and it just kind of exploded from there mm-hmm well, we are very excited about it. Once again, could you give the date and time and location? I can indeed. So the date is the 24th of February. That's next Friday. It starts at 6 o'clock until 11 o'clock, and then there's uh, after parties. Um, and the it's free. The location is the Arts Complex, which is the Mississippi Museum of Arts Garden and all the surrounding buildings. And um, can I do a little shout out to our sponsors? Yeah. Thank you. So thank you very much, um, Entergy, Mississippi Humanities, um, MDA, Baker Donaldson, um, Fuse Cloud and uh, Downtown Jackson Partners and the Jackson Arts Council for being really, really forward thinking and, and brave because it's a new thing. Mm -hmm. So um, thank you so much for believing in us and... Um, Shining a light on Mississippi. Yes, and thank you for making the event free. That's awesome. Now people don't have an excuse not to come. I, I think it's going to be well attended, and I think it's going to be something that everyone can remember from the bicentennial year. You know, mm -hmm. we keep talking about Mississippi's bicentennial being an opportunity Absolutely. to think about what's next, and this is what's next. Yeah, very this good. is it. Well, Anique, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. You're and uh, hopefully, I will see you next Friday. I'm going to be out there. I'm sure I you'll be working, so. but I'll be out there. Thanks so much for being in today. Uh, thank when we you. get back, uh, We'll talk a little bit about the pieces exhibit, and we'll, we'll still talk about the uh, cinema festival that's coming up in Natchez. This is Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. Informative MPB news stories, the local shows you love, up-to-date severe weather info, and the state and worldwide reach telling the story of Mississippi. You're listening to MPB Think Radio. And welcome back to Next Stop Mississippi. 
Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. I'm Sharita Brent in studio with Mary Margaret Miller from Visit Mississippi and Talamika Bryce, who's going to talk with us about the Pieces exhibit, which is coming up this weekend. Talamika, good morning. Thank you for joining us. Good morning. Thank you for having us. Well, tell us a little bit about this exhibit. It's uh, featuring your work and your husband's work, and it's uh, very special on your husband's end. I think you guys are going to be showing some pictures from when he was in Afghanistan. Yes, the Pieces exhibit will have some of the artwork that we did for our show, Combat Boots and High Heels, a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. And basically that detailed his time in the war from both our perspectives. Um, Charles was a photojournalist with the Army for a number of years. I can't exactly remember how many. But um, his time in Afghanistan really changed the trajectory of our artwork and our marriage. And um, it was really significant going through that time. So it was nice to be able to have an outlet for him and myself to be able to show as artists what it's like to go through a deployment. So as a military wife, how do you translate that through your artwork? Who, um, very carefully. To be honest, while he was deployed, I was numb and mm -hmm. I didn't really do a lot of artwork. It was a lot of just wondering when or if he would come home. So it was just such a, a sacred and very scary place to be that it was only years after he returned that I was able to be able to communicate that through art is like therapy. And then even looking at the pieces now, some of the photographs that have been taken, it takes me back to that day all over again, which actually the 15th marks, I think about nine years since he came back from war. Mm -hmm. So um, it's just been a process. And then from going from that to him getting out of the military to us forming a business and then becoming a family with children, uh, it's really nice to have a record that they can look back on and and see what it was like for, for us. Yeah. Wow. Now, your husband is, is a photographer, but you also have pieces in this exhibit. What medium are you using? Well, we're uh, to kind of start back a little bit, we began an art class at JSU, so we're both trained fine artists. And I actually started taking photos before him. I used to work for Planet Weekly as their art director. So my... Uh, job with them was photography, graphic design, webmaster. I did a lot of things. And over the years, initially, Charles was a photo, not a photojournalist, a paratrooper. So he jumped out of planes. Wow. And um, along the way, he decided he wanted to do more with his art. So the pieces exhibit, the reason why it's entitled that is because it has photography from the both of us, from my perspective of seeing him get up and knowing he's getting ready to deploy the whole act of shaving and putting on his boots to walk out the door and wondering if those boots will return home, as well as introspective artwork and different paintings of different mediums. We both have those there. So it's photography, it's painting. It also features Raven Hill, who has some quilting work as well. So that's why it's really titled Pieces, because there's so many different aspects of art being featured. Yeah. Well, I'm a huge fan of, of Raven Hill's work. I've only seen it exhibited once, but she is a, a young woman that, that uses quilting as, as her art form. And I believe um, this uh, set that she's sharing is particularly about a story related to her family, to her grandmother. Exactly. Uh, she's showing some pieces from her show, Grandma's, Grandma's Hands. And um, like uh, a lot of us, I know my grandmother as well, you know, quilting was just something that they did in order to keep warm and to reuse clothes to recycle. 
And uh, what Raven has done with this exhibit is she began storytelling through the cloth pieces and the different ways that she put the textures together. And she also has um, written words, a little bit of, of poetry and prose as well to explain the pieces. They all tell a story. God, that's beautiful. So how often do you pull inspiration from current events? Because I've seen wonderful pieces. You have a, a piece of Muhammad Ali. I know you're going to have some, some pieces on file that have, have not been seen uh, just yet. So how often do you get influence and inspiration from things that are happening today? I wouldn't say it's so much influence and inspiration is trying to find a direction. Mm -hmm. There are so many different emotions, especially being a parent and especially with the political climate that's going on. Well, political climate that is today is what what do I do with all this, all these emotions, all this fear, right? Being able to translate it into art and having a record. I feel like that's a huge part as as artists, as artists, we're historians that we document all this along the way and how it makes us feel and how it relates to us. So modern day culture and everything around is it plays a huge, huge influence on everything that we do. Well, um, glad that you have that outlet because some people just release everything in Facebook statuses. It's very constructive. So remind us once again what time it's going to be and where it's going to be. The exhibit, the official opening is this Sunday from 1 to 4 at the Mississippi Arts Center. The exhibit, and you know, at that time, all the artists will be there. Myself, my husband, Raven, our, you know, our kids will all be there to... Um, to welcome everybody in and answer any questions about what they will have. It's located at the Mississippi Arts Center, which I think is 201 East Pascagoula Street. Mm -hmm. It's going to stay up until March 4th, and it's free and open to the public. Awesome. Well, Telemika, thank you so much for being in today. We really appreciate it, and uh, congratulations on this uh, exhibit. Thank you for having me. Thank you. All right, we're going to switch gears a little bit. Uh, Brett Brenniger is on the line, and we're going to talk uh, with her about the Natchez Literary and Cinema Celebration. Good morning, Brett. Thanks for being on. Good morning, Sharita. It's good to hear your voice. Absolutely. Now, we only have a few minutes, but that's plenty of time for us to talk a little bit about this celebration. Um, is it in conjunction with the Bicentennial as well? It is a Bicentennial event. We are funded by the State Bicentennial Commission in part and some other wonderful sponsors that allow us to have all of our content at the Natchez Convention Center free and open to the public. And there is a lot of content, Brett. You guys have a full schedule today and going um, through the weekend. Well, it's it's actually not this coming weekend, but next weekend. Oh, that's right. On Thursday, the 23rd of February. Mm -hmm. Well, tell us about some of the authors that are going to be involved and some of the, the topics that they're going to be covering. I've read that you'll be uh, featuring authors who will talk about civil war, civil rights. Uh, talk about that a little bit. Okay, well, we've decided to kind of do something different in terms of our approach. Instead of basically doing it as a history conference, we're telling the story through history and books and music and film and all kind of stuff. So we start off on Friday, February 24th with Bo Morgan from the University of Southern Mississippi. He's just going to basically give us a little orientation on statehood and how statehood in Mississippi came about. And from there, we just cover things thematically. Bill Ferris will be here with the, his new book, The South in Color, a visual journal, which is fantastic. We've got a lot of photojournalism in this particular NLCC this year. We have Denise G. talking about food and entertaining in the South. Martha Rossignol is going to do a presentation on her book, 
My Triumph Over Prejudice, all that will be on Friday. We have a concert Friday night. Uh, Richard Grant and Sally Jenkins will be here Saturday to talk about their books. Richard is, um, of course, the best-selling author who wrote Dispatches from Pluto. Mm. And we'll have him at 9 o'clock Saturday morning. Sally's going to come at one, in at 1 o'clock and be interviewed about her book on the state of Jones, which is the basis for the movie that just came out. And we've got Elisa Burton-Steele, who, Sharita, I have to thank you for. We discovered her through your show. Oh, awesome. Yeah. She's going to be at about 2.15 on Saturday to do a piece on Delta women and their wisdom, which she's basing off Delta jewels. Mm -hmm. And we wind up the whole thing with something that I think is really important. It's a book by Nancy K. Sullivan Westman on Katrina and its impact on Mississippi. We always hear about what Katrina did to New Orleans, but we rarely hear about the massive amounts of damage and the huge impact it had on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Yeah. Well, uh, and also you're encouraging people to maybe stay at a bed and breakfast and uh, patronize some of the the good eating spots in in Natchez. Absolutely. We've got plenty of stuff going on that weekend. In fact, the Mardi Gras Parade is Friday night. So you have plenty to do between Thursday and Saturday at Natchez. Nice. Well, and, and it is, um, you know, uh, two full days of programming. It's free. And this is your you're, you're 28th year of the Natchez Literary and Cinema Celebration. It is. This is your 28. It was founded by Carolyn Vance Smith 28 years ago. She retired um, after her 26th year, and I took over for 27 and now 28. So. Well, it sounds like you're doing a great job, Brett. Thank you so much for Thank being you. on today, and uh, we hope the festival goes well next week. Thank you. Thank you so much, and remind your listeners, please don't miss the movie night on Thursday. It's local documentary filmmakers talking about what they've got going on, and if anybody wants an agenda, they can contact us at 601 446 one two zero eight. All right, Brett. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. That was Brett Brenniger uh, talking about the cinema celebration in Natchez. All right, that's going to wrap us up. Uh, we've got a lot of information in today. Great so show. Hopefully, everybody was able to process everything. Thank you, Sam Wells, for producing and operating the board. And uh, coming up next, Southern Remedy for Women. So stay tuned right here on MPB Think Radio.